Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Good Friday morning, everybody. This is Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and we welcome you to another edition of the Wittenberg Door. Uh, with me today is Scott. I'm here. Glad to have you. Somebody to to uh, speak at, speak at. You know, when you're on the radio, you don't know who you're talking to, and so it's kind of nice to have a face to look at and. And start a conversation with. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so very good. Uh, well, folks, uh, the, the uh, Wittenbrook Door is a call-in program. And uh, we want we welcome your uh, feedback. We welcome your contributions, questions. Uh, so if you have something you'd like to say or you have, uh, you'd have you like to make, the number here is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. And uh, we'll uh, announce that again as we go on through the next uh, hour, f- remainder of the hour here. Um, but we're going to uh, go now. You know, usually what we do, one of the one of the key things that we do on this program is we look forward to the lectionary for the upcoming Sunday. Now, uh, for those of you who are uh, maybe not uh, part of a liturgical church, the lectionary is the the prescribed readings for each Sunday as they come up. And we are now in the season of Easter. Uh, for, for some, it's a, it's a single holiday. For, for our church and many liturgical churches, it's an entire season in which you're uh, evaluating or uh, uh, kind of thinking of the benefits of the resurrection of Jesus and how, how that helps us. And so uh, this, this uh, Sunday coming up is Rogati Sunday. <laughs> uh, this is a. There's all these Latin names that come traditionally with each Sunday in Easter, and uh, Rogati is a is just a is a Latin word that means prayer. So one of the one of the key blessings that we have as a result of the resurrection of Jesus is is the the gift of prayer or the privilege of prayer, uh, the benefit of prayer. And uh, so all three of the lessons, we have a, an Old Testament lesson, an epistle lesson, the letters of the letter section of the Bible, and a gospel lesson. And all three lessons focus on this wonderful gift that we have as a result of the resurrection of Jesus, the ability to come before God with, and make our request uh, known to him. And so I'm going to start this week, normally we start with the Old Testament lesson, that's our first lesson of the of the of the Sunday, uh, but this uh, this time I'm going to start with the epistle lesson, and the epistle lesson is very very centered on this uh, this issue of prayer, and uh, this is uh, Paul writing to his friend Timothy. Oh, very good, hi Lee. This is uh, Paul writing to his friend Timothy, and uh, Timothy was a. <coughs> uh, Paul was Timothy's mentor in the ministry, and Timothy was kind of a trainee, and this is after 
Timothy has been released and he's he's uh, out doing ministry. He's a bishop of a of a region of Greece, and Paul is writing instructions for the liturgical life of uh, uh, the churches that are under Timothy's authority. So here Paul says this. Uh, I'll read the first one, Lee, and then uh, let you get caught up here. First of all, then I urge that supplicate. This is the First Timothy two, chapter uh, verse one. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And uh, this is, uh, this has, uh, you know, of course, obviously, this is about prayer. In the first few verses, we see where Paul is urging Christians to pray. And he's urging the church to pray. He's urging the the church to take on these uh, supplications and prayers and intercessions, which is kind of a number of of ways of saying to pray for people. Um, And this is something that the church has done since its inception, uh, since before its inception. This is is a holdover from the synagogue uh, that uh, was in the pre-Christian era. And it... it, uh, the synagogue that Jesus attended, uh, the synagogue services that he attended as a, as uh, the incarnate Lord. Now, uh, when we pray, what what, Lee? Let me ask you a question here, just to get get this conversation going a little bit. What do you think is the chief benefit of prayer? What's what really is? Well, it. Uh helps us conform our will to God's when we when we pray we think of what God is doing yeah and we ask for God to make changes for us yeah but we also recognize that that uh, he has a will and he knows what's going on yeah uh, and so when we ask him we're in a way asking him to help us conform our will to his you know, that's a really good thought because uh, this is kind of what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. He talks about prayer. He says, prayer doesn't change God. It changes us, right? Yeah. And when we think of prayer, we, we tend to think of, uh, I'm going to come and ask God to do things for me. Uh, but that's really not the chief benefit of prayer. The chief benefit of prayer is we learn who God is. And who we are. We learn God is the one that we look to. God is the one that we expect good things from. Uh, God's the one we call upon. And we're the ones who need his help. The very act of prayer is a, is a kind of a, an act of humility on the part of the human being. Because you are admitting in prayer that you need help. And when you pray to the one true God, you're, you're coming to him as, as the source of all good 
and the source of all help. And I think that that more than anything for us is is the benefit of prayer because it it really kind of sets life in perspective. It sets who we are in perspective. And um, uh, so that's a great blessing. Of course, the other blessing is what? That God hears us, (laughs) right? That God, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, we are told in the catechism, one of the scripture verses we're reminded of is Psalm 50, verse 15. Um, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. You know, one of the things that we forget sometimes, and, and I think we forget it because we tend to think of prayer as a, as a privilege and, a, and a, a blessing. And we forget sometimes that prayer is also a command. God commands us to pray. And he commands us to pray because Chiefly, the benefit of prayer is that we learn who God is and we learn who, who we are. We learn that we need his help. But God wants us to learn that lesson. And so it's, it's a command to pray. When we don't pray, it's a great sin. Because we have forgotten. When you don't pray and you don't th- give thanks to God and you're not looking to him for blessings, then you've forgotten that, that you need a source outside of yourself for help. You forget that you... You have a source of good outside of yourself that has that has uh, given you so many blessings. Um, so we're commanded to pray, but then when we're commanded to pray, there's this promise that comes with the command. And the promise is, "Call upon me in the day of trouble." That's the command, and then, and I will hear you, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Right? So God. God promises to hear our prayers. And, uh, and so when we are in trouble, we can go with confidence knowing that we're not just talking to the sky. You know, we're not just uh, filling words, sending words out into the air somewhere. But there is a God who hears us. Now, uh, another, another issue that comes up here, and Paul kind of addresses this at the end of At the end of this lesson, he says in verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator uh, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So Paul alludes to, I think, the reason why God hears our prayers. You know, uh, Lee is the, is there a reason why God shouldn't hear our prayers? Oh yeah, in James uh, we're we're told that uh, we sometimes ask with wrong motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never ask with full or perfect knowledge. Yeah, we may think we need something, or we may think something should happen a certain way. Right. But since we don't know the future and we don't know all the details, we really can't pray accurately. Let me ask you this way. Do we deserve to have the ear of God? Only through Christ. Yeah. We on, of ourselves have we're, we're sinful, we're imperfect, and right. yeah, we do not of ourselves deserve that. Yeah, no, nobody has kind of this native right for God to hear them. Uh, 
one one of the terrible things that sin does to us is it separates us from God. And uh, and by nature, then, we come to God, uh, we come as sinners. And uh, we come as, in, in, a, in a sense, we come in our, in our, uh, in our, true human nature as outsiders as kind of uh, you know it's it's like uh, we uh, we say of foreigners who come to the country and I and I I don't believe this is true I think that um, I think that there, there are basic civil rights that everybody has the you know everybody has a right to uh, but you'll hear you'll hear for instance Americans say uh, well, they don't. They don't have uh, the rights that we have uh, because they're not American. Well, we don't have rights because we're American. Uh, we have rights because we're human beings, right? And uh, uh, but there, but there is a certain kind of understanding of. Well, for instance, you would say that a. a, a somebody who's not a citizen doesn't have the right to vote, for instance, right? I mean, I think I most people would, would, would still believe that, that. They don't have the right to vote. Well, why don't, because they're not a citizen, right? And so this is what sin does to us, is it, <clears throat> it excludes us from God's presence. It, it excludes us from, um, from the uh, privilege of being able to be heard by God. And if that's the case, if we are by nature unable to come to God, unable to lay our petitions uh, before God, then uh, then what hope do we have, Lee? Well, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't know what to ask. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about... Uh, not. For Christians in particular, but I'm talking about as before, you know, before we become Christians, before we uh, have this relationship with God as sons and heirs of the kingdom. Um, what hope do we have that we could could even come before God? What does Paul say here, for instance, in the text? There's one God and and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, who did what? Who gave himself as a as a ransom for all, right? In other words, uh, so what? What do you think? What What is Paul saying there? What's Paul's point? That God hears us because of Christ. That God hears us because of Christ, and so it is the work of Christ. It's his <clears throat> incarnation, his suffering and death, his glorious resurrection. And especially in the resurrection, now we know this, right? In the resurrection, we know that we have this wonderful privilege of prayer. And so Paul's saying that we have access, we who were sinners by nature, excluded from God's kingdom, we weren't heirs, we weren't citizens, but now we've been brought near, Paul will say in another place, brought near by the blood of Christ. And now we have this mediator between God and men. Now, when we come to the Old Testament lesson, we're going we're gonna to go back to this thought. But this go-between, between us and God, who, bring, who, in his, who, who brings our petitions before God 
for us, right? And and uh, and what does a mediator do? Well, he calls out for favor between opposing parties, and that's what Christ has done for us. And we hear when Jesus prays, for instance, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, right? Jesus is praying, calling out, being being there on the cross, being the mediator between God and men, and bringing men who were alienated from God, literally alienated from God, bringing them near so that we, not because of anything in us, and not because we deserve it, and not because we're good people, but merely because Christ was good. And Christ in his mercy brings us in and gives us the privilege of prayer. That's a wonderful thought. Let's go to the, uh, let's go to the gospel lesson, Lee, if we would, if you would uh, read right, that for us. This is uh, John 16, verses 23 through 33 from the English Standard Version. In that day, this is Jesus speaking, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you uh, say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, but the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have loved, have believed that I have come from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each of you, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribu- tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful because, it, it, again, what what two thoughts really are being coupled here? First of all, there's this command and this uh, exhortation to pray, and and uh, and the promise that comes along with that. He says, uh, he says, uh, first of all, he says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And here comes the command, ask, and here comes the promise, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. By the way, uh, in, in, in the progression of ideas over the last few Sundays uh, about the resurrection of Christ is that it, Jubilati, two Sundays ago, it brings joy, the resurrection of Christ brings joy. Uh, Cantati, uh, last Sunday, the resurrection of Christ brings singing and and those two thoughts are kind of tied together here, uh, especially the uh, uh, the idea of jubilati asked that your joy may be full, and those two things are coupled together. That the that the real that the real joy comes when we know that we have a God who hears us, a Father in heaven, 
who hears us and who uh, who uh, will give us what we ask for. Ask and you will receive, Jesus says. So this is a promise from the Savior's own lips. Now, uh, he goes on here and he says, uh, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you, I will ask the Father on your behalf. Uh, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, uh, again, he's going to allude to his upcoming passion. He says here, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Leaving the world is all about this passion and resurrection that he's about to accomplish. And uh, and so the so Jesus himself links prayer with his own passion here. Uh, going to the Father. And I've come into the world, and now I'm going to the Father. And uh, and then I have to go back and and hit this uh, hit this again because I don't get the the 31 through 33. But he he says um, uh, an hour is coming when when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. And this is exactly what happens in a matter of hours in the garden. And yet Jesus, yet I am not alone. Jesus says, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, where has Christ overcome the world? At the cross. Yeah, he's at the, overcome the world at the cross and in his resurrection and his passion and resurrection. Um, he's overcome the world. He's overcome sin. He's overcome the devil. He's crushed the power of the devil. And uh, all that Satan accomplished in uh, tempting man to sin and, and bringing, bringing sin into the world, uh, Christ has overcome. Christ has crushed. Christ has, has, uh, has saved and rescued us. So you have Jesus here saying, ask and you will receive. So you have the command and you have the promise. And then you have this allusion to his upcoming passion. And those things are always tied together. We can't have prayer without the work of Christ. So the cross and the resurrection are central to this privilege of prayer that we have. And then um, uh, and then Jesus says this. He says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. In other words, it's that it's putting our personal faith in Jesus that brings us into this relationship with God. Right? It's at that point that we, that we hear the gospel and believe it, that we have this this relationship with God that, that God hears our prayers. So the question then, so Jesus, Jesus makes this promise to those who believe in his name, to those who believe that he came from God. And so the question becomes, what happens to those who don't believe that Jesus, I mean, what, what about the prayers of those who don't believe that Jesus came from God? Well, by definition, they're excluded. Yeah. Uh, this is why, you know, uh, this is a, we don't say this to be mean. Uh, 
you know, we don't say it to, to uh, exclude others. We say it so that they'll so that they'll come to an understanding of of how it is that God hears us. Yeah, the problem is they're praying to a different God. Right. So this is often asked about Christians and uh, their relationship with other religions. Um, oftentimes, uh, Christians may be in a in a gathering where they are asked to pray with others, others who aren't Christians, right? In public gatherings, especially in civic gatherings, right? And uh, we think about how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we, how do we understand what's going on? So when, when, for instance, we are at some kind of civic gathering, maybe say graduation or, or something like that, and uh, and there's a rabbi or an imam, who maybe gets up to give the prayer, which happens sometimes. Uh, is that a prayer that Christians join in? No. No. And 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 why? Because it's being prayed to a god that, oh, to a false god, to a god of man's invention. Yeah. And uh, and a prayer that's not prayed in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, "Here, ask in my name." A prayer that, a prayer that excludes the mediator and tries to find another way to God besides Jesus Christ is really not a prayer. Now, so what do Christians do in moments like this? Do we protest? Do we, do we yell? Do no, we, we scream? We pray on our own. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't, we, uh, you know, we, we get along with people in the world. It doesn't mean that we uh, show a lack of respect for people as, as who they are. Uh, but, it, but it just means that that we recognize that the only prayer, and this is so important, this is so important for us to understand that the only prayer that God hears and answers, the only prayer that we have a promise for, is a prayer prayed in the name of Jesus. Right? So, uh, so, uh, so we have this prayer because of Christ and his death and resurrection. Uh, so let's go to, finally, we're going to go to now to the Old Testament lesson, and that comes from Exodus, right? Uh, Numbers. Numbers, I'm sorry. Yeah. Numbers uh, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, and this is the English Standard Version. Okay. From Mount Hor, they set out by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Okay. Now, uh, here again, uh, by the way, you have this issue of prayer, and, uh, and, and you have the people who come to Moses, by the way, uh, and they... And they petition Moses. 
they ask Moses to pray for them. And why are, why do you, why are they asking Moses to pray for them? Do, do they have a sense that they can pray to God on their own? No. They, they, they fear God. Yeah. And, and right now, they, they, uh, they feel alienated from God. Uh, first of all, because they, they have, well, they, they're, you know, think about what's happening here in this Old Testament lesson. This is during the, the children of Israel, their journey through the desert on their way from Egypt to the promised land. And uh, we know uh, that what happens during that 40 years that they spend in the desert um, is there's a lot of grumbling and complaining. They don't, they don't appreciate the way that God is taking care of them. Uh, especially here, they become impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Now, this is uh, usually uh, what happened. They would speak against Moses, right? And, and people will rarely speak against God. Uh, in 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 this in the life of the uh, of Israel as they came out of Egypt, they rarely spoke against God, but here is one of those cases in which they were openly speaking against against God, right? And uh, you know, I, I think that phenomena kind of happens among us too, when people um, people will rarely say anything critical about Jesus. It's usually Christians that are spoken against, right? Christians who, uh, uh, hopefully, are holding to the word of Jesus, and it's but it's but it's the it's the Christians get blamed. Well, this is one of the rare cases you'll find people who will who will be critical of Christ Himself. I think it's kind of interesting in this case. Uh, the word of God does doesn't say that they came to Moses and made this complaint. Yeah, they didn't lodge the complaint with Moses. They didn't ask Moses for anything. Right. Instead, basically, they're grumbling one to the other, yeah. thinking God is not hearing us. Yeah, grumbling about what what God is doing has done for them. That's to, right, giving them food to eat, and they don't like the food. Yeah, and so they're talking to each other in their tents, uh-huh. in their un, uh, you know, grumbling. Yeah, you know, just basically grumbling, and so God gives them another gift. Uh-huh. In, in, a, in addition to the food that they say is worthless, now he gives them something to really complain about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and this is what, uh, this is what again, what sin creates. Sin creates uh, uh, punishment, right? And uh, so they're, they're experiencing the wrath of God for their sin. And folks, this is why, this is why we should be cautious. We should be careful about sin because sin does bring God's wrath. And here it brings it almost immediately. Uh, wrath comes about because of their rejection of God, because of their rejection of his gifts. And so they begin to experience it almost immediately and, and uh, until uh, these serpents come and they begin to harass the people, bite, bite the people, and, and people are falling, people are dying because of it. So your attitude does matter. You should be thankful, even for even for what seems to be worthless food. Amen. Or Amen. you may get something that that you really won't be thankful for. Well, God's discipline is, is sometimes uh, 
is sometimes it's it's always unpleasant. As the writer of Hebrews says, discipline is always unpleasant. But here, what God's discipline does is it moves them to pray, which which uh, hopefully when we do suffer affliction, when we do suffer God's punishment, it should it should restore to us a sense of our sinfulness and a, and a sense of our need for God. You, you're pointing to something now. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, from Romans 8, 20, 26. Yeah. Uh, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray or for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Well, that's wonderful because we know, we know that the, the, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And we often don't know what to pray. And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that, that, that's interceding for us, that becomes great comfort for us. Here they call upon, uh, the Israelites call upon a mediator. They're looking for somebody as a go-between, between the God they have offended and themselves. And they seize upon, of course, they seize upon uh, Moses, who becomes that, that go-between. And Moses here becomes a Christ figure, right? In other words, Moses is, is, is the stand-in for Christ. In First Timothy Paul says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And the people of Israel, they know that God listens to Moses. They're not so sure that God will listen to them. And so they go to Moses and they ask Moses to pray for them, right? Uh, in the gospel lesson, Jesus says, in that day you will, you will ask me nothing, uh, for the Father himself loves you, right? But you'll still, but we still pray in the, in the name of Jesus. We still pray uh, because we have this wonderful privilege in the resurrection of Jesus. We have this wonderful privilege that we are in Christ, and that we come before God in Christ to be able to lay our petitions before Him, and and we know we'll be heard not because of us, but because of Christ. Yeah, He says, "The Father Himself loves you." Uh huh. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. There's a because there. Yeah. Well, you know, um, there is the, the healing of the, of the lame man in Acts chapter 3 or 4, where, um, the Moses, or where Peter and John come to the temple to pray. There's the lame man that lays at the beautiful gate, and they, uh, they, Peter takes him. Uh, and and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And and the man gets up and walks, right? (coughs) And this big crowd gathers around because they know that this man has been lame. Everyone knows knows him as the beggar. And now this wonderful miracle has taken place. He's up, he's jumping around, he's leaping, he's walking. And, uh, And they know that a notable miracle has taken place. And Peter's response, when the people gather around, Peter's like, why are you looking at us as if by our own piety we have made this man well? But it is in the name of Jesus, right? In other words, Peter says, it's not because I'm this spiritual guy. 
Um, it's not because I'm, uh, I have something in and of myself that makes, me, makes God hear me. He says it's because of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Right? So it's not because of our piety. And this is the way we approach God in prayer is also we don't come before God because of our great piety. I think, you know, when, when you tell people, when a Christian tells an, uh, a non-Christian, or even sometimes when we tell other Christians, that God only hears the prayers that are offered in the name of Jesus. At first, that sounds like, <coughs> well, Christians are saying that, that, that it's by their own piety. It's because of their own deservedness that God hears them. And that's the last thing we're saying. God does not hear the prayer of Christians because of our own piety, our own goodness, or because we deserve to be heard by God. In fact, in and of ourselves, we are no better than the Muslim or the Hindu or the Jew who, sta who still stands outside of Christ. God doesn't hear us because he likes Christians better. God hears us only for the sake of Jesus. Amen. The mediator between God and men. And and uh, and so I think when we when we make this statement that God only hears the prayers of Christian we ha Christians, we have to we have to qualify that. We have to make people understand that that it's it's not us, uh, but it's Jesus. Really, God just hears the prayers of Jesus. But being in Christ, uh, God hears our prayers now because not because of who we are, but because we are in Christ. So when when the Israelites go to Moses and they say, "Pray for us," it's the completely logical thing for them to do, because Moses is the Christ figure there. Moses is the, is the man that God hears. Just as in our case, it's Jesus that God hears. And it's his special relationship with the Father, because he is the Son of the Father, that God hears him. And we pray in him, and God hears us because of him. Now, there's another Christ figure there in that Old Testament lesson, isn't there? Can you see in, in the text there another, another Christ figure? It says, uh, verse 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. By the way, you know, the, the ancient world... Uh, they weren't quite as secluded from each other uh, as as we might think, right? That there was interaction probably between ancient Israelites and ancient Greeks, uh, ancient Mesopotamians, right? There was there was a there was a kind of there was some interaction going on between these different people groups uh, long before Christ, right? And uh, even even at the time of Moses. Um, and I've often wondered, you know, you have in, in the Greek culture, you have the god Asclepius, right? Asclepius was, um, he was a, 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 a god in Asia Minor 
that was a serpent on a pole. Uh, actually, a serpent on a cross. And it's the, uh, if you go to the doctor, right? You ever look at the doctor's degree? Yeah. And you see the logo on the doctor's degree? That's the god Asclepius from ancient Asia Minor. And, uh, and I wonder if, if, if that god was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, diversion, uh, some perversion of, of the ancient story of Moses setting this bronze serpent on the pole and the people looking to it and, and receiving healing because this, this serpent god that was on a cross uh, was the source of healing and it, you know, of course, so it's kind of come the, the, uh, the logo of the medical community. Um, but here, here it is in our Old Testament scriptures. And how is this, Lee, how is this serpent on a pole a figure of Christ? Well, Jesus himself tells us that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, uh-huh. so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Yeah. Jesus refers to this text right here uh, in his own gospel lesson. And so um, he says, uh, so, so when Jesus says, uh, just as the, this, the serpent was set on the pole, so uh, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What is Jesus, what's the point of that? Well, that we're, we're to obey and do what we're told. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think it's, it, 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 it's really kind of better than that, right? The good news is, is really good this way. Look, we have all been bitten by the serpent, haven't we? Can't we say that? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the poison, uh, this, uh, um, uh, when the devil comes to Adam and Eve, he comes to them in the form of a serpent, right? And the poison asp who, who fills mankind with his venom. And because of that, we have death. Because of that, we have disease. Because of that, we're all kind of, uh, we're, we're sin sick, aren't we? Uh, and, and we have this, like the ancient Israelites, we have this sentence of death in us. We're dying. And uh, the, so the, so, in ancient Israel, Moses sets this serpent on the pole. Uh, what Christ is telling us is that for us and for our healing, for our salvation, so that we may be saved, he will be affixed to the pole. Hmm. He will be nailed to the cross. So that everyone who looks to him and believes in him is going to live. Just as in ancient Israel, when they looked at the serpent on the pole, that poison that was coursing through their veins was cured. They were healed. And that is, that is what, uh, what, what the point that Jesus makes. When we look to him, all the sin that would kill us, all the sin that would condemn us is forgiven. We're free. We're saved. We're rescued from it. And, uh, and all this comes about because of the the work of Jesus on our behalf. So we come back again to the uh, 
sixth Sunday of Easter, Rogani Sunday. And we remember once more the death and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf, all that he's done for us in his life, death, and resurrection so that we can believe in him and, and be free and so that we can believe in him and have this wonderful and, and have this privilege of prayer that we may in Christ come before God and be heard by him. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, uh, we uh, thank you for joining us today, folks. Uh, we hope that you uh, got something out of the uh, out of the broadcast today. Uh, this program will re-air Sunday morning, uh, 9:15 a.m. or uh, 9:13 a.m. and uh, Wednesday evening at 7:13 p.m. And so, if you've uh, missed it or missed part of it, you'd like to catch up on what you missed, uh, you can listen to us again. It's also available online. It's available. Uh, uh, Lee, why don't you give the uh, web address for that? Okay, that's. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, Scott, it's also available on the WWGH. It is. You can go website. to WWGH1071.com. We stream live there all the time. And there are archives of your program. Uh, on the archive page back through December, uh -huh. and we're also on the TuneIn app now, so if you have the TuneIn app on your, your cell phone, you can listen live there. Are the archives available on the TuneIn tune in app? It, it, it will direct you to them. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, folks, uh, um, many of you may have heard of iHeartRadio. It's been around for what three or four years. It's about that time, yeah. And uh, and now the TuneIn app is is the um, uh, non Clear Channel equivalent to that. That's right. You, you have radio to be, stations. Yeah, you have to be owned by Clear Channel to be a part of that. But same thing, just non Clear Channel radio stations. We are there along with a one hundred thousand other stations. So download the app, tune in. To and it's free. And it's free, and you can listen to. Um, Listen to the uh, radio station at any time, wherever you are. Live all over. Yeah, very good. Well, what was I, the name of the app again? Tune in. Oh. Tune in. So, okay. Well, folks, uh, also, uh, we want to remind you, if you don't have a, a church home, Gethsemane Lutheran Church welcomes you to come, welcomes you to hear the gospel with us and, and, uh, and receive God's gifts with us. Uh, Gethsemane Lutheran Church is at 219 East Church Street in downtown Marion. We're located between the old YMCA and Rocky's Bicycle Shop, which is kind of a landmark in Marion on, uh, on uh, East Church Street there, corner of Church and High Street. Our services are Saturday at 4.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And so if you don't have a church home and you want to come, you want to hear the good news with us, we invite you. We thank you for being with us today, and we hope you'll join us again next time for another edition of the Wittenberg Door. Thursday, May the 12th, is going to be a huge night in Marion, as we'll have two big events in one great night. Classic Championship Wrestling will present Spring Brawl, Thursday, May the 12th at 8 p.m. at the Tri-Rivers Career Center, located at 2222 Marion Mount Gilead Road. Tickets are $10.